a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever seen the sky so blue? The birds are singing, I got nothing to do. Hey, 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 hey. It's a sunny day. Sunny day now. My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare. Call me illogical, I just don't care. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. And it's my pleasure to sit in for Maria this morning. I'm Dave Meekham alongside Ton, of course. And just a blast to be here and do this with you, Ton. It is fun. And I, I'm, I'm going to just trash this now because we've made it a full hour and I've never mentioned tomatoes until now. Oh, we talked. Oh, we talked off the air. We talked off tomatoes. the air about tomatoes. So yes, uh, one of the biggest, n- the nemesis to the tomatoes and many other things, earwigs, earwigs, and that's why we've, we we made it this far, but we're not going to make it any further now. No, I'm getting more and more calls on earwigs, and it's just people you know, saying, "I don't want my peaches ruined. I don't want my tomatoes eaten. I don't want them eating my." Swiss chard, which I, th- I think they can eat Swiss chard okay. But, uh, you know, they're saying that we've had problems and they are, the numbers of earwigs are building. Right. And I I mentioned to you that I killed my first earwig in the house down in the basement, you know, where they're wont to crawl in and hide when I I found one it. on my porch that it was underneath a pot. And so they're, they're coming. And I, I think... I don't know. How, how really, how big a pest are earwigs? Earwigs are among. I mean, they look nasty. Yeah, they look nasty. And people, they don't get into your ears, like, you know, the (laughs) name implies. But they're a generalist. And usually they're a decomposer. They just eat dead organic matter, you know, leaves. And, but when their numbers build, they can become problematic. I mean, they even are predators of aphids and other small, you know, insects that can cause some damage in the garden. Yeah, so they can be beneficial. They can be beneficial, but when you start getting hundreds and thousands of them, they start eating your tomatoes, they start eating the raspberries, and just anything they can get their claws on, it seems like that's all of a sudden food. Right. Right, so it's kind of a balance there. They can be a helpful, but they can also be a yeah. And so, if your numbers pet. are low, I would just leave things alone and monitor, and just you know. And if you go out at night, especially, and see dozens and dozens on your plants, then it may be time to do something. And we should probably um, talk about the environment that earwigs prefer and the things that we can do to promote or discourage them being in your garden. Yes, and so they like cover that has lower temperatures and a little bit higher humidity. And so if you have bark mulch, 
uh, plastic over, you know, on the soil in mm-hmm. the garden. There's several things that they do prefer and you will find them less commonly in areas with bare ground. So, whereas, you know, in, in the part of my garden where I have just tomatoes and I'm only watering just the tomato plant itself, I really don't have a lot of trouble with earwigs because it's very pretty dry. It is. Outside of you where know, they, the they like that is. moisture. And so for earwigs, if you're not wanting to use insecticides, which I can totally see why, especially in a garden, what you're going to want to do is make traps. And so you get the old whipped cream dishes and old, you know, butter spread or whatever you're using, margarine dishes that a lot of times our parents save so they can send leftovers home with us. Um, You get those dishes and then put a quarter to a third of an inch of oil in the bottom. And you can put some tuna fish in there, some tuna fish oil. Um, Soy sauce works also, but it has to be stinky. And you put the lid on the container and I, you can cut holes. I like to very gently just get a drill bit and use my hand to wiggle it back and forth because the container split, you know, a drill or even if you have something hot that will go through it and melt holes. But you want holes at least a quarter of an inch wide, several of them, and the earwigs will fall in there and drown. And you need to change these out probably two or three times a week. You just dump all the dead earwigs in the garbage can. You can reuse it or use a new one. But that's one of the main ways in garden areas to keep the numbers lower. So there's some other things you can do in your trees. You can roll up cardboard and uh, put that on your trunk so they crawl in there, wrap cardboard around the trunk with it cut in half so it can get into the corrugations. You know, there's sticky foot, which is a product you put around a trunk and they can't get past it, or tangle foot. So there's several things you can do that are not pesticides to try to control them. Well, and again, whether you need to control them or not, it just kind of depends on your situation. And the numbers, they will build sometimes and overwhelm the traps, and it's almost like the traps aren't even there. But that's your first line of defense. I Before the show started... I was looking up labels of reduced risk uh, insecticides, and one of them called triple action uh, does kill earwigs, and it may need to be sprayed on them because its residual isn't very long, but it also has a little bit of a repellent in it that may keep them away. Hmm. And so if you have to use an insecticide, that would be one that's reduced risk. You can look at diatomaceous earth that has to be reapplied every time you irrigate because the water kind of drives it into the soil and try diatomaceous earth. Um, If you really need like the nuclear option, then something along the lines of high yields, pet garden and farm spray would be one that's also registered. Okay. Last earwig question. I've never understood this. What are the pinchers for? I think it's, they use it to cut leaves and things. I'm not an entomologist. <laughs> and I've so, always wondered this. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what they're for. They may try to defend themselves, but they're not for your ears. No, no, they're not. Uh, th- these aren't a threat to people. They don't you know, bite When you're you, a little don't. second or third grader, an older brother that's in fifth grade is like, oh, they're going to bore into your brain when you're asleep. <laughs> We're going to use those and dig in. Yeah, that's not going to happen. (laughs) 
Okay, before we go to break, uh, let's talk to Joanne, who's been waiting very patiently. Joanne, you're calling in from Oakley. How are you this morning? Good. I have a question with two different um, squash plants. I have a yellow squash, and it's about half the size of all the neighboring zucchinis, but it has maybe it's 15 inches in diameter, but it has 14 or 15 small yellow squashes on it, but none of them are really growing. Should I cut some of them off? Not necessarily. It could be that it slowed down due to the heat. It could have some root disease in it that isn't killing it, but it's stunting the growth. And okay. so, you know, if it has sufficient water, you might try just a little bit of fertilizer, just like maybe a teaspoon, two teaspoons under the base of the plant. It, but okay. if it doesn't respond to that and those don't develop, you could, if it doesn't look like it's dying, and whatever's in there is spreading, you could leave it, but just watch it and see if the leaves, you know, if they're starting to turn yellow or brown or something. Yeah, the leaves look fine. It's just really small with all these little small yeah. squashes that and aren't really growing. Are they grocery store size? <laughs> oh, no. They're like two inches okay. in length. And you might thin one or two out, but you could have accidentally purchased or accidentally got a patio squash that are bred to be smaller. Oh. So the one that's bigger, how was how big is the biggest one? Well, I have another one in a, a different garden oh, area, but okay. it's at least double or to triple. And okay. it's next to zucchini plants that are now double and triple the size. And they all okay. got planted about the same time. If it so doesn't maybe that one was start to produce and your other ones are and you're going to have enough zucchini, you could consider removing it, I suppose. All right, I might remove a few. I I don't know. Okay, that my <laughs> this will help Joanne, but I've got a zucchini that's kind of doing the same thing. It's maybe and grown that's, these are, to you know yeah. ten inches in diameter or so, and it's got some fruit on it, but it's kind of languishing. Is this excessive heat a little too much for the zucchini? It may be. Those zucchinis okay. aren't really thrilled with 105 degrees. Okay. And that well, it doesn't get that hot up down. here, but it does get pretty hot in Oakley. Yeah, the other I'm... one is just the, the basic zucchini. Year after year, I have a similar problem with one or two plants. They get zucchini on them just fine, but they either tur- turn rock hard or they get really soft towards the end and get yellow at the end. What's causing that? That could be heat causing it. How big are you letting the zucchinis get? Or the, you know, well, I've only, only been able to cut one off. It was about six or seven inches. Okay. It's starting to I get them, let them this get, time of year in Oakley. Yeah, any bigger than that. Okay, because they're if, coming on. I've got yeah. some that are a little less than that, but they're already hard. Oh, man. I'd make sure that you're irrigating sufficiently a couple times a week to a depth okay, of six so inches to water. a foot. Because drought stress okay. might cause that. I don't know of any diseases that actually cause that, that you wouldn't see okay. symptoms in the leaves. Okay. The one plant that seems to typically have it gets a little less water, so I'll just try to give it a little more. Yeah, there try giving go. a little more water. It's not like a calcium deficiency or something like that? No, our soils have plenty of calcium. If it was, you okay. would see the base of it turn really black. And you would no. have like three quarters of a fruit and then have a black base. No. Okay. Give the water a well, shot. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for your call, Joanne. Appreciate that. And if you have a question, give us a shout. KSL Talk is the line. We've got open lines for you. We're going to take a break right now. On the other side of the break, we're going to come back and take Wilma's calls calling in for Twilla. Thanks for being with us on the Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. 
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. I'm going to be around my vegetables. I'm going to chow down my vegetables. I love you most of all, my favorite vegetable. <laughs> now this should be the, the Greenhouse theme song. Theme song. Yeah. This is digging deep. <laughs> oh, if, if you're a Beach Boys fan, you probably know this song. But if you're not, this might be new to you. It's Vegetables by the Beach Boys. My favorite line is the last one that says, I know that you'll feel better when you send us in your letter and tell us the name of your favorite vegetable. <laughs> well, you were mentioning that this was written because, was it Brian Wilson? Brian Wilson, for a period of time, owned a health food store in California. And it was, you know, it was connected to that. Oh, that, that's fun. That's <laughs> a lot of fun. Vegetables, there you go. Great way to start out this segment. All right, uh, let's take a call here. We've only got a few minutes. Wilma's been waiting patiently in Tooele. How can we help you, Wilma? Wilma, do you have your radio on? Are you there, Wilma? I might have lost her. Let's put Wilma on hold, and uh, if we can... Reconnect with her, we will. Let's take. Let's talk about one of our texts. On we got a texter saying, "I have a Meyer lemon tree. There are currently lemons growing on it. However, new blossoms are forming. Is this normal?" It is very normal, especially when they're growing indoors or on a patio and moved. Yeah, you don't hear a lot of lemon tree questions on no, the greenhouse show. It's been we've got <laughs> this building. The hobby of growing citrus indoors is gaining steam, and there's a few like calamondin orange, which can only be processed into like a drink or into preserves because it's so it's a sour orange. But there's a number of people growing citrus successfully. Yeah, because that's actually one uh, that you can move indoors during the winter, right? Yeah, they will. If you know how to transition them, you can grow them on your porch. And they actually do quite well during the summer heat, but they will not tolerate temperatures below freezing because they will they can, but they take a lot of damage. And if it's below about 25, they're done, 20, depending on the species. And so people will move them inside in early October. And hopefully you have an area like a sunroom or something that you can move them to so they still get a lot of sunlight. That's something you're doing for the love of raising lemons. Yeah, it's know? completely for the love. <laughs> you know, it's just bragging rights or a conversation piece. All right, one more text. Explain iron use more, please. Only used on trees, liquid? Is it diluted, granule powder? What does chelated mean? 
chelated is a term that very pretty much means it has like a claw like structure, but it, what it does is that it holds on to an iron molecule and keeps it water soluble in high pH situations. And so EDDHA is the best one we know of, and it'll stay in solution. The reason you want that iron in solution is so basically it's dilute, it's, in water, in solution in water, and that water is absorbed by the roots. And high pH soils cause a lot of iron, just straight like iron, to settle out and they're no longer water soluble. And so you lose... Um, we're, we're, we're running out of time here, Okay, Tom. so we'll this, continue this. Is, this. Uh, this is going to be a much broader answer, I think, yes. than, than we anticipated. So let's go ahead and take the break. We'll get news traffic and weather. On the other side, we'll continue this and we'll, we'll fully answer okay. this question about iron and chelated iron. This is The Greenhouse on KSL News Radio. Let's dig around town with KSL Greenhouse. If you want to learn how to best preserve your fruits and vegetables, you can take part in a canning and preserving class at the fairgrounds in Ogden on Thursday, August 3rd from 6 to 8. Learn more at extension.usu.edu. Learn about common Utah weeds and how to control them with the Conservation Garden Park on Thursday, August 10th at 6 p.m. The webinar will cover organic, mechanical, and chemical methods of weed control. Register at conservationgardenpark.org. Travel back in time to the land of the dinosaurs at Thanksgiving Point's Ashton Gardens. Dinosaur Island underway until August 26th. Find out more at thanksgivingpoint.org. Now a look at this week's quick tip. Local peaches will begin to ripen within the next few weeks. When this happens, I get calls about why peaches didn't size up to where they usually do and why they oftentimes don't taste as good as they should. This is often due to irrigation practices to where we've been so hot that the peaches don't get enough water. You rarely see these problems in orchards where they water every 7 to 10 days to a depth of 18 to 24 inches. If your trees that are not in lawn areas aren't being irrigated similarly, this could be why you're seeing these problems. Though, if you do have fruit trees in lawn areas, supplement water them every couple of weeks to make sure water is getting deep enough for the trees to remain healthy. You can also find the Dig Around Town calendar and more fun gardening info at kslnewsradio.com greenhouse. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another... Pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.